0: So we were just talking about a mutual friend let's say you reminded me of something that was an, an my, one of my initial experiences with that person this is not identifying them at all but it it's actually speaks to a a bigger quandary and something that you are uniquely suited to actually help with so i was giving a presentation i guess it was about 5 years ago now about outsourcing and it was at this really high-level meeting of marketers and people. And this particular individual got up and said that their biggest challenge that they had always had with outsourcing, finding someone who could accurately capture their voice. So Amy Randall, do you have any thoughts about that? That idea about capturing your voice?
1: I have so many opinions about that, Ari. Thank you for asking me. So um, when we started working together a lot of the people that we worked with would say that same thing, that they would get stuff back and it didn't sound like that. And I would, my standard answer to the, or my standard question was, well, what is, what do you sound like? What does me sound like? And I would get this kind of blank look uh, in response because I don't think a lot of people spend enough time thinking about how they come across and how they want to come across and what is really their true nature when it comes to communicating. So that's when you and I came up with the voice print, uh, which is like a thumbprint, but for your tone of voice. And it was a really great exercise for a lot of people, and I use it when I take on new clients. Because the interesting part of it is it's a two-person exercise. The the person who wants to uh, outsource their content fills out the voice print. And then a trusted ally of that person, whether it's an assistant or a partner or whomever, uh, fills it out as well. Because how I think I communicate might not necessarily be how it lands with an audience so uh like there are a lot of people who think they're really funny like a lot of people think they're good drivers and really good with interior design, right <laughs> but, but we're all not good drivers and we're all not good interior designers and we're all not funny and how it lands with somebody is just as important so if you can find that sweet spot in between what you intend and how it's received, that's sort of the essence of a really strong individual voice. So that's why.
0: well, and so th- there's a, there's a few different interesting aspects to this for me. So my 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 initial reaction when that person asked that question, and I, and I want to get into the voice print a little bit as as it relates to ego to some extent. But the initial reaction I had to this person asking that question was, how have you previously? tried to convey your voice to people and this person started to explain how they would write a brief and keywords and I said stop you're writing your voice to somebody and why aren't you sharing your voice with somebody (laughs) as a recording or and it sounds simple but why would we try to switch mediums or switch channels when we're trying to convey this thing that we think is so important that's the first thought I had with that but the second one it's who the fuck cares if it's your voice or not <laughs> because you know that it's like the content is more important in most cases than the quote-unquote voice and i think that what this really speaks to and what the voice print that you came up with you know d- does so well is it deconstructs this idea that you are so unique and that it is your uniqueness that people want
1: Right. well exactly
0: i think it's very humbling in some ways right it's it's very grounding to be like, well, no, you can actually codify this thing that I think is so special and unique in this this snowflake. And that's I think that's a hard pull to swallow because what you came up with, the voice point is so effective, but at the same time, it tells somebody that they're not that special.
1: Absolutely. In fact, before I got on this call with you, I did, a, you know, because you know me, right? I had to do a little research and I looked up how many blog posts were published last year. And it was 2 billion blog posts on, on 600 million blogs. And they came from hostingtribunal.com, which sounds very Illuminati, but I didn't go deeper into that thing. But I mean, that's remarkable that that many words were put out into the universe and how many of those were unique. I mean, how many? Right. So this idea that uh, uh, that your voice is so unique is a false elevation of self. You know, suffering from terminal uniqueness, and that that uh, not everybody's Harper Lee because there's only one Harper Lee, right? And she only had one story to tell. So uh, I think any time an entrepreneur can have an exercise in humility, that's a really good day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good day. Um, And it's the information.
0: Well, right. And, and you know, the the thing is, right. I I, I can't, I was, while you're talking right there, I'm trying to rack my brain to think of an example of any conversation I've ever had with somebody where it's like, well, tell me about your, you know, tell me about your business coach or tell me about your copywriter or tell me about your graphic designer. I don't, feel like i've ever had somebody respond to me and say like oh my god they're so unique <laughs> right
1: and it's uh you know the information age that we live in is sort of ground zero but everyone wants their information to sort of morph into wisdom as if then that elevates them to becoming my least favorite phrase of the week thought leader right um because it's impossible it's like I have a twenty year old son who's studying political science because he wants to be a lawyer, and when he comes home for break, he he shares with me this incredible information and wisdom that he has just learned and he is the first person in the world to come up with these ideas about systemic racism and gerrymandering and it's lovely in a 20 year old to see that kind of enthusiasm but it's kind of sad when you know grown ups think that they've you know hit upon something brand new it's not nothing's brand new it's how you put it together that makes it interesting
0: so that I think is a really excellent, important point for people to to pick up on here. And also speaks to one of your talents, in my opinion. And somebody asked me the other day, what is, because I, I, you know, recommended you to work with this other person. And she would asked me what I thought was like your unique talent or unique, what was your talent? And I said, Amy, more than anybody I've ever met is able to take a under-fleshed, under fleshed under, under fleshed out underdeveloped idea with very little information and turn it into something incredible, uh, which, is, which is true. And it's really how I feel about you and how I've seen with working with you myself and also clients working with you and whatnot. Uh, so ultimately, what I, th- I think is important is, and, and to your point, the information is not necessarily unique uh, and it's how you put it together. I think it's about how you make it relatable to the audience or the person that you're dealing with that really makes it effective or not. And there was a film, not, a, not an excellent film by any means, and you might have seen it called Road Trip, which with uh, Tom Green, it was not an amazing movie. But there's this very smart guy in it. And there's another guy who's not that smart and really need, like needs to pass this class or he's going to flunk out of college. But he's basically he says to to the guy like, Hey, look, I I could teach Japanese to a monkey in 46 hours, the key is just finding a way to relate to the material. So he ends up teaching the guy like all of Greek history by making it into the WWF wrestling, you know. So the, the point is, is that people could hear the exact same information over and over and over in various situations, but it's about hearing it at the right time when they're open to it in the right context and in the right format that ultimately will make it stick, Uh, which again, not to, you know, chuff you up too much here, but I think that's something you're very, very good at, but that's not about being unique, right? That's about being relatable
1: And, and good timing, right? I mean, it, it also, there's this idea that people, I think have a tendency to cast too wide of a net when it comes to their content as if, they have to tell everybody everything now. Um, and and the funny part, I mean, if you think about the volume of stuff that a person gets to read every day, you're never really talking to the same people. So pick something, you know, <laughs> pick a group of people to talk to, because invariably, whatever that message is that you're sending out will be totally, totally important to the next group of people six months later, right? Or a year later. It doesn't mean that the information becomes useless. It just means that uh, it, it needs to land in the right spot at the right time. And that's why like we, we always reused content when we worked together because we were never talking to the same group of people all the time. So... The notion of timing and then the the notion of really kind of listening to the way that somebody talks and what they reference, right? Like the other day you had sent me a whole bunch of stuff and you were talking about the Peloponnesian Wars. And I was like, I want to learn a little bit more about the Peloponnesian War because it's such a cool, sounds so cool. So I spent 45 minutes learning about because... It informs the content. It might have just been a throwaway word that you used, but all of a sudden I'm really interested in that. And if I get interested in that, I'm not unusual. Somebody else will will say, I've always wanted to know about the Peloponnesian Wars, and Ari's talking about it in this particular chapter or blog post. So it's picking up on those little asides and, and expanding them because... That's where the uh, intriguing part of a, of a person really shows itself.
0: So I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about you and how you got to this point because it, it is. And I, I've worked with a lot of writers. I've worked with a lot of of worked with a lot of people. Period. And I do feel like you have do have this sort of unique ability to do this. And it's not just the the writing. Uh, the quality of it and the, the relatability and all those things that we've already discussed. I feel like you get in the, the head space uh, or in, at least for me in my headspace, very well, and you can expand upon things very well and you research things appropriately. Like, and so the point is, which is I've never had this with any other writer for sure is that I can give you an idea and then what you end up writing is educational for me. So What do you feel like in your background has maybe contributed to your ability to do this? I
1: think it. I think it might be. I mean, there's a weird story that in some way relates to this, so I'm just going to say it. So when I had a farm and I raised animals and food and all this stuff, uh, we knocked down an old barn and we had these enormous long, long uh, supporting beams that I loved and I didn't want to destroy them. So I decided one summer that we would make them into totem poles and that every kid that came to visit or every person that came to visit the farm would have to research their animal spirit guide online and then they would have to paint and jigsaw out the shape of the animal spirit guide. And we nailed them onto the totem poles and stuck the uh, totem poles in the ground and my best friend who always visits every year from South Africa was, was visiting. And he was like, well, these are terrible. I mean, children are terrible artists. This, this one, this horse is just God awful. So I'm going to fix them. And I was like, you can't do that. It's the children's art. And it's an expression of who they are at their core and they're going to be really angry. He's like, yeah, I don't care. And so he, um, fixed them all up just them all up and made them fabulous and the kids came back and were so proud of their animal spirit guides because they were they everyone knew they weren't what they created but dave made them better right and so the kids were completely in fact when we moved from the farm they all came back and took their animal spirit guides with them because they were so precious to them so That's a really long, Amy way of explaining that um, that kind of uh, it's not it's kind of bossy that I that I go in and say, um, I want to elevate this particular part of this conversation when I'm when someone sends me something. I want to make this person not sound smarter because they are smart. It's not like. You know, it's not like trying to make Donald Trump sound like well, whatever. No, I wouldn't even go there. But uh, it's it's enlivening what what the person who's talking to me or sharing something with me probably would have said if they gave it more thought. Does that so? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it, totally. And it's it, it's a it's a completely relevant story. But uh, it so that is your desire right to do that but you still have to have the ability right so i mean i, I don't even know the answer to this like did you major in writing at some point like how, you, did you no
1: no 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 i went to college when i was 16 years old um and i was pre-med and uh and then i took calculus And then I was no longer um, (laughs) pre-med because there was this thing, the the professor was like, okay, we're going to work on this thing called as X approaches zero. And I was like, well, why can't we just solve it when it gets there? Why are we trying to solve something when it's moving? I just totally overthought the whole thing. So that was, that was it. So I, uh, I went to uh, the Fashion Institute of Technology after I, uh, after Rutgers University, and I parted ways. And I studied journalism there. And I had the greatest uh, journalism professor in the world. His name was Jack Hyde. And he was the former editor of Daily News Record, which was the daily menswear newspaper. And he taught me everything about precise language. And he used to say, don't ever say the famous singer Frank Sinatra. It's either Frank Sinatra, who is famous enough to not be qualified by saying the famous singer. So, I mean, he would take my stuff apart brutally, but it was a really good, it was a really good lesson. And then I worked in magazines for a really long time um and that kind of uh, that kind of writing, especially because I was a fashion editor, taking something visual, which obviously fashion is, and trying to find the words for it that aren't cliches was very difficult, but a very important sort of exercise in um, in creative writing, which is what it was.
0: Yeah. That's-
1: so that's how we learned to do it. And then, you know, the other thing, like, everybody always says you have to read. If you want to be a good writer, you have to read. And I completely agree with that. When I feel like I'm hitting, like, a skid, I think to myself, when was the last time you read a good piece of fiction? Because I don't really read businessy books. books. Um, like I, my friend Mark Randolph, I thought his book was great because he told a great story. But um, – I like fiction because it's, it inspires me in terms of uh, imagery and construct and pacing. And I think all of that stuff is really valuable um, in, in business writing because we're lacking that. You know, there's the, the, the ability to tell a, a good story that holds someone's attention for more than, you know, five and a half seconds.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that ability to be drawn in right to the story is something that is often missing in a lot of business, uh, business writing. And actually the opposite happens in many cases because there's so much. I mean, look, I don't have to name anybody, but there, there's so much bad writing out there. I don't mean bad quality. I really do mean bad content. And it does the exact opposite. It makes you like want to put your hands out. It's like repugnant, you know, in some cases. And, I I've seen I mean I, like I see more and more of this every single day and there's all these things about like oh the number one thing you need to do in your business to like you know retire tomorrow like which are just to try to like get people there and then disappoint them honestly uh, and I, I just think that there is too much marketing happening and not enough storytelling and content and you can inform people in a way that is enjoyable right, and makes them want to be, it's what what you referred to before about like the Peloponnesian war War and like wanting to learn more about that and getting sort of that bug in your ear. Uh, And it's, and and not only do I think people don't capture that necessarily, but I I actually think that a lot of people like actively avoid that. They just want to get like, it's like they they want to get to the close. That's what I think it is a lot of times. And they're not willing to take the walk. Right. And
1: copywriting is different than content writing. You know, copywriting has a purpose, right? I mean, a, a very distinct purpose was just to sell you something. And content writing has a, a purpose to engage you, right? So that you become slowly... uh aligned with a particular person or point of view or company or thought process or whatever, but it's not, here's your pain points. And here's the six things so that I can bump my post up on Google. And here's, it's, it. that's very formulaic and also kind of discounts the fact that like, we're all really multifaceted beings, right? Like you and I like to send, you know, really juvenile stuff to each other, right? And I was telling somebody, actually it was Dave, I was telling Dave that we were going to talk today. And I said, I just hope it gets to the point where we're laughing so hard that chocolate milk shoots out of our noses because that's pretty much how we talk to each other. So, So, But this idea that you're one person, you know, you're a wealth manager, And you're going to talk about wealth and you're, or you're a coach and you're just going to talk about, you have to fail to succeed. And you know, that you're going to have to follow this formulaic path. doesn't give me a sense of who you are. Like what else, what else are you, you know, and um, what else are you interested in? Because I want to be engaged by you. I want to be fascinated by you. And I want to read about something other than what's wrong with me and how you're the only person who can fix it and who would want to do that. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and <clears throat> the, the other thing that I think is uh, an important piece of sort of the puzzle here too, is that there are uh, a lot of people with really great content in them that just don't know how to get it out. Uh, and I think that's part of the problem too, that, that some of the best minds don't share it because, I'm not a good writer.
1: And I mean, this came up the other day up here, which is crazy because there was a, there's a new sort of mercantile since we have so many people from Brooklyn living up here. We now have, it's not called a store, it's now called a mercantile. But um, there's there's a a local uh, farmer who raises really good pork and really good beef and he's, Uh, got a refrigerator now with all of his stuff in it. And he was there, and I just started chatting with him about his process because I used to raise pigs and stuff, and we started talking about it. And he said, he told me a great story about uh, the last time his pigs farrowed and what happened, and I said, "Um, are are you capturing any of this? And he's like, yeah, I'm a terrible writer. I said, no, that's not what I said. I said, are you capturing it? So what do you mean? I said, when you have these conversations, record yourself, because this is a magnificent story that you're telling me and will be very helpful to somebody along the way. But you need to memorialize it in a way um, that's natural for you. And it's natural for you to just talk. So just get this thing called Voxer (laughs) and just press the button and record yourself talking. And and you can find, then then at least you have the raw material to create something written uh, that will be exactly what you in, uh, intended because it's it's your most organic self. So uh, he, he was so excited, so you know, oh great, now I can write a book and blah blah blah. So I think if. People just think to themselves, like, where do I feel most comfortable when I'm communicating? Am I really good on, uh, well, when we used to have uh, conferences and stuff, but are you good on the stage? You know, do you feel really at home uh, in front of a group of 500 people? Well, then you should record all of that stuff and, and, and make sure that you capture wherever you're creating, you capture it somehow. And then, and then uh, you can turn it into, you know,
0: the written word. Yeah. And I think that's, that's just, it's lost on people. They just don't recognize that. And, and of course, look, a lot of that stuff is going to be garbage that you don't necessarily need to use, but it's better to have that garbage out of your head than, than in it. And then you can sort of, what's the next, You separate the wheat from the chaff, you know, in that situation, but you can't do that internally.
1: Right. Because
0: that, that, that internal conversation sucks.
1: It's. It's useless um, because then it then you just then you're just staring at a blank page, right? But if you have the whole uh, the whole conversation or the whole talk or the whole podcast or the whole webinar in front of you, then it just becomes a question of nobody speaks in a linear fashion. Like that would be the most boring you know, professor in the world who just went from A to Z logically, right? Nobody speaks like that. But if you see the whole thing in front of you, you can start moving chunks of stuff around so that it becomes, so that you develop a flow in terms of what somebody's talking about. It's not, um, you know, everybody gets sidetracked when we talk. We've been sidetracked like six times since we started this conversation, right? But if we turned this conversation into a blog post, I would take chunks of copy and move them around so that it had uh, a logical flow.
0: Right, exactly. Well, and so speaking so you of flow, what does your workflow look like typically? Are you the you know lock the doors and you know work for ninety minutes at a time, or how do you like to work?
1: So, so I worked with this guy Ari, and he told me about my peak time remember at that and um it's early in the morning before like uh, i have one kid i need to sometimes get off to school and sometimes just put them in front of a computer at this point but uh early in the morning from you know, like 6 30 to 9 30 is my really just total zone um and then uh i can get a lot done in that time because the day hasn't intruded and I'm and I'm not distracted. And then the other part is I'm really trying to limit the number of people that I work with at a time because I start to feel like Sybil. Like I don't I look at copy and I go, oh okay, I have to, you know, I have to correct myself when I think about who I'm pretending to be at that. Moment, it would be like if I were doing a movie and a Broadway play at the same time. Would, both would suck. So, so I have to really keep my um, days portioned off uh, exclusively to the person whose copy I'm um, working on, um, so that I don't, I don't, I don't get too. Like there's certain words you use that nobody else does. There are certain cadences that some of my other clients have that you don't have. And I would never want to um, plunk those into yours because it, then, it, then you'd go, I would never say that, right? <laughs> I, would never, I would never use that cadence. So it's important for me to portion it out. In a a mindful way.
0: Not to put you on the spot, but what what is what is a word that I use that uh, other people don't tend to use? I'm curious. (laughs) What is your favorite curse word?
1: (laughs) Well, no, you told me I can't use curse words anymore. So that was your that was your new resolution that we weren't going to do eighth grade potty talk anymore. So I, you know, this is a real challenge for me now to go onto my thesaurus and you know, find other words to, to, uh, to describe what you wanted to say. I mean, I
0: already, said, I already said, I already said, I already said fuck in this interview. So oh, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs> um, well, let me, I'm going to look right now, but uh, I'll, I'll just don't okay.
0: I, said I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm just yeah, curious. No, it's I, fine. Uh, it's
1: fine. It's fine.
0: Yeah. If it's a, if it's a word I made up, that would, that would be extra points for sure. Um.
1: But what you do, it's not a word thing so much you do is you always check for, uh, comprehension when you're speaking. So you'll go through a really big brain kind of moment where we're talking about, uh, some kind of metacognition or something and you'll lay it all out and then you get this sense I can always tell where you're like, I wonder if everybody understands. So you say, right? Or um, (laughs) yes, you, 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 you ask three questions in rapid succession after you lay out something really big. And then yeah. just to see whether people are tracking, which I think is really excellent because uh, it's almost your own self-check, right? Like, did I, did I say that right? Was that the right way to do it? Oh, did, yeah, no, I'm good. And then you go on. So that, that's a typical, uh, typical RE um, pacing, thing in your comp
0: yeah that's a, so that's a very interesting observation and I, I agree i do, i do do that for sure i know i, I tend to be like you know make sense or you know does that help that kind of thing yeah so that is and, and, but even so that so that speaks to this again to your ability here but also for something to be for something for everybody to sort of be aware of right is that it's that ability to observe right that i think is very important and this is something not to not to sidetrack i think this is very relevant is that if you think about really great comedians many of them uh if you really like analyze what they're saying a lot of it is that they have incredible power of observation in that they're seeing things that every one of us sees but doesn't notice right like you know jerry seinfeld with you know what's the deal with airline food you know like everybody knows it they see it but they just don't pick up on the thing that's funny it's like oh yeah that does happen to me every day right Um, so yeah, of course it's it's easy it's easier for somebody on the outside to make that observation about the way that I might present myself or speak, but uh, it still requires that effort to actually uh, codify it, for lack of a better word, and put that into something that can then be relatable, translatable, you know, and usable. So it, it's it's just again, I think it's just a, a fascinating grouping of skill sets that that you're able to bring to this. What would you say? Is and this is this is not about me. This is about you. But what is the biggest thing you feel like you learned uh, over the years of working with me?
1: Oh my god! Um, so as you know, I'm you know we we've known each other for a long time. You know I'm much older than your average bear. And uh, so when I first started working for you, I was terrified. Well, I was terrified of everything, but I was particularly terrified of technology and the platforms and the ease in which you and the team kind of moved around this world of, um, uh, technology. And the best thing, uh, that you said was you told everybody on the team that, uh, no one was allowed to help me with any of it, that I had to figure it out on my own. Like, uh, I don't know what it was. I don't even remember what it was. Intercom, let's say. And I was so angry at you. I was like, this is, he's like the meanest guy in the hall. I cannot believe I'm not getting any support and blah, blah, blah. And then I, so I was like, well, screw you. Then I'm going to learn how to do this. And I, and I learned how to do it. And I came back and you were like, you know why I said that, right? And I was like, no, because you're mean. You're like, no, because I wanted you to understand that people a lot smarter than you built this stuff and it's impossible for you to break. And then I needed you to to gain mastery of it all on your own so that it would give you the confidence to move on to the next thing. And that was remarkable. Um, That was one. And the the other one was sort of this... uh, creative process you know you know that scene in broadcast news where he's in his headset telling uh william hurt what to do or holly hunter's telling him what to do when he's reading the news and uh and it just became like this like she anticipated what he was going to say and he knew what he needed and he got what he needed and when you can put that kind of creative, uh, coupling together. It's really awesome. And I, and the good part about it is since, uh, when I meet with other people, I'm very aware of whether that exists or not. So remember how you used to say like, um, yes, got you where you are, but no, will get you where you want to go. Saying no, to a situation that i mm-hmm. absolutely yep. know is not right for me is invaluable invaluable because you know i'm a girl i want people to like me i want to sit at the cool kids table blah blah that's never going to go away but you gave me that ability this to have an experience that flows so that i know when when an experience will not flow does that make sense
0: yeah
1: well thank you <laughs> Either
0: way, thank. I you. mean, th- thank <laughs> you for that opportunity. Honestly, uh, and yeah, I think that those are are lessons that anybody can take away from. From the conversation, I hope, and, and actually, that I I wasn't planning on asking this, but that does bring up another question for me. Is uh, obviously, you can say no to opportunities that that don't seem like a good fit or not. But how important do you feel it is for you, at least, to have uh, a personality fit with the person you're working with, Be, and and just to qualify for people listening you could have somebody in, in where I'm going with this is you might have somebody that you don't have a fit with, but they're still easy to work with and they're interesting and you can work on it. But uh, how important is it that there be that sort of personality yin and yang for you in this work?
1: I think it's more, um, an idea of, um, um, not vulnerability. That's, that's like a hack phrase at this point, an openness. I think openness is the only thing, uh, an acceptance of, uh our limitations as humans because uh I, I don't want to be in a room with people who think they're perfect i think that would be really boring but so people if i if uh if you're flawed and i'm flawed we're going to do really good work together <laughs> right but but if there's this sense of um like a like a pedantic kind of attitude, I can't do that. Like, as you know, I'm I'm not really great with authority, and I and I and being instructed is not the same as uh, collaborating. So I like to collaborate. I don't, I'm not really good with uh, instructions.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's I think that's actually a really good way of differentiating it and and uh, and clarifying it. But, but absolutely, and I, I think that that's. That's actually something missing in a lot of workplaces and a lot of work relationships is that I think that people, and, and there's certainly a place for teaching and instruction, but I think that there's many leaders particularly who do a little bit too much of it and not enough. This conversation has been everything that I had hoped it would be, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Amy for that. And everybody needs to watch out because Amy and I are working on a project right now, which she is doing all the writing. I'm just doing the talking, but it's going to be the, the, my, my masterpiece opus of productivity and we'll hopefully be done with it in a few weeks. As long as I can keep riffing for her.
1: It's really great. I just looked, I looked over it again last night, just to get a sense of where we are. And, the pacing, I is so urgent, but not terrifying. You know that it's, it's. Uh, you get the sense that this is really important, and I really need your attention, and I'm your attention, and it's. Uh, I'm, I'm having a great time doing it.
0: Well, there's there's a great line from Django Unchained with uh, where the, Leonardo DiCaprio says, uh, "You had my curiosity, but now you've got my attention." <laughs>
1: oh i thought you were gonna do the you know my wife worked really hard on these (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, so amy where where can people find out more about you or possibly get in touch and and possibly have the privilege of having you turn their voice into the written word
1: so uh, i'm on linkedin uh amy randall my my uh my company of one is called Not Hollow Content. K N O T H O L L O W Content, and um, that's that's the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. And just a just as a pro tip for people who are looking for um, somebody to write for them, um, don't ask people to show you their portfolio. Um, because you don't know how long it took them to write anything and you don't even really know if it's theirs. And, uh, we used to say that it's like, if I were a sous chef and, and I went to go for a job and I brought my portfolio and showed all my really cool pictures of the hamburgers that I had made, um, I, I I wouldn't trust anybody to give me a job. I, I would trust somebody uh, to give me a job if they said, hey, go in the kitchen and make me a hamburger. And that's the same thing that happens with writing. If you want some to see how somebody writes, ask them to write something. Of course, pay them because, you know. Um, but uh, put put someone on the spot and and see what they got. And that makes the relationship uh, very defined from the get-go. So um, if, yes, LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Um, and that's it. Thanks, sorry
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, make it an effective day.